Hello, hello, hello. I am your Wanda Sykes, hostess with the mostest, Michael Munoz. And welcome to In Yo Mouth! In Yo Mouth. I'm the queen of food who's always in the mood. To lick it right, lick it good, show you how to... Oh, God, that's good. I want to know what you eat from the streets to the sheets. So open wide, honey. I'm coming. In Yo Mouth. goosebumps. Across America, BP supports more than 275,000 jobs to keep energy flowing. Jobs like updating turbines at one of our Indiana wind farms and producing more oil and gas with fewer operational emissions in the Gulf of Mexico. It's and, not or. See what doing both means for energy nationwide at bp.com slash investing in America. Ophthalmologist Dr. Strauss has seen firsthand how the Metaverse is helping surgeons practice the procedures to treat cataracts. Cataracts are the primary cause of avoidable blindness. He works with a virtual reality training platform developed by Fundamental VR and Orbis International to help surgeons develop the muscle memory they need. The result? More confident, capable surgeons. And even more importantly... Patients who can see. Explore more stories like Dr. Strauss's at meta.com slash metaverseimpact. Hey there and welcome back, folks. Once again, I am your hostess with the most is Munoz. And how y'all done? Yes. <laughs> folks, where is the time going? We, it is the end of March already. And y'all know I love to play grandmother time over here. But like legit, where is the time going? Before you know it, we're going to blink and it's going to be Christmas. And I know you don't want to hear it from me, but I was right last year and I'm right this year. Um, No, legit. I am really enjoying the spring weather, though. I was having a conversation with a friend not that long ago about the concept of time. I don't know if we were high or something, but it was this whole thing about, like, you know, as we get older, we're more used to time. And so that, therefore, it seems that time is going quicker as opposed to children who don't have a concept of time. So, you know, like the, the smallest things take forever. And they're like, why is this taking so long? You know what I mean out there? <laughs> Just to get really deep on you this uh, on this day, this morning, this afternoon, whenever you're listening. But legit, um, I am really enjoying the spring weather. I'm really enjoying being out and about and eating outside. I have my mama's puppy with me right now. Just, you know, dog sitting And those are the things that are bringing me joy today. You know what else is bringing me joy? Today's guest, y'all. So I'm just going to get to the getting on and introduce the one, the only, Evan Morgan Newfer. Say hi. Hi. (laughs) Hi, babe. How are you? I'm great. How are you doing? I am so good. The sun is shining and the grass is green. Um, There are no orange or palm trees here, but, um, you know, things are blooming. It's cherry blossom season in this side. Not exactly what you want, but at least it's better weather. (laughs) You know, that's what I said. That's what I say about most of my dates. Not exactly (laughs) about what I want, but at least the weather's not. (laughs) Feel that in my soul. (laughs) Where did you feel that? Hold on. (laughs) 
<laughs> we are off to the races. Listen. <laughs> I, listen, you will soon learn. I just can't help myself and a good innuendo. I mean, the podcast, after all, is called In Yo Mouth. Hello. <laughs> In Yo Mouth listeners, Evan's giving me a hot nail, too. You can't see him, but I'm, I'm letting you know it's a hot nail. Well, Evan, before we get anywhere, I have to do what I do. And in the grand tradition of In Yo Mouth, I need to wish you Happy National Hot Chicken Day. Oh, yes. Come on, hot chicken. Come on, hot chicken. Come through, hot chicken. (laughs) (laughs) Ladies and gentlemen, now presenting Miss Hot Chicken Legs. Oh, she struts. (laughs) She struts. What would be her entrance song? Oh, her entrance song? Oh, Hot damn. Oh, there burning we go. up. Burning up, yeah. Jesse J. There we go. Right? <laughs> <laughs> now, wait, where in the world are you? Because um I'm assuming you're in Canada, yes? No, I was on a Canada show or a Canadian show. Um I'm in Tulsa, Oklahoma. God's oh, okay. country, if you will. <laughs> uh, 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 oh my goodness. <laughs> No, uh, Oklahoma, not the South. Is the South what do we what do we know Oklahoma for besides the musical and some corn? We we like to consider ourselves part of the South, but like fun fact, we weren't even a state when that was a thing. Um, but we will definitely cherry pick and choose our way to whatever makes us as Southern as we can possibly be. <laughs> Not cherry pick and choose a new musical by Evan Morgan Newfer. <laughs> You're brilliant. Not on Broadway this year, <laughs> starring Pamela Anderson as Miss Cherry as Miss Cherry Pick herself. You know, it's perfect. It's perfect. Perfect. Her 11 o'clock number is my eyes are up here. Yeah. <laughs> okay, talking you're about the lyrics for that one. That'll be perfect. Talking about the cornfields. You know? <laughs> <laughs> oh, my God. <laughs> yes. I, I'm a hot chicken fan. Are you a hot chicken fan? I am, but, like... I mean, let's be real. I wasn't raised with spicy people, so um, it's mild for me. Because if it's too hot, it's not going to be good. Oh, <laughs> my God. I love a hot chicken. Listen, I don't, I, I'm doing air frying. I'm on the air fry trend here, even though uh, an air fryer is just a repackaged uh, high heat confection oven. If you didn't know, and you should know, um, just so your children know, Marjorie, uh, all of that. <laughs> but... um so I don't fry a lot here, and because of the because of the motto that some jerk told me once upon a time, summer bunnies are made in the winter. I'm not eating a lot of you know carbs and things, right? Yeah. Gay body dysmorphia and all. But I do love a hot chicken, a hot chicken with the sauce so and the slaw and the toasted bun. Oh, gotta have the slaw. Gotta have a little bit of that cool. Ugh. Yeah, like a ranch slaw. Yeah. Mm, mm. A little bit of dill on Trader top. Trader Joe's just came out with a ranch. Did you know that? No. Is it good? I haven't had it yet. But the, in my book, there is only one ranch, and they are not a sponsor of this podcast, but I will have them. There is one ranch. Give me the MSG. Give me the, the maltodextrin. Give me the, give me the ranch. The, okay. the real ranch. Okay. So I am very curious to do a side-by-side comparison. Yeah, I think you need to do like a ranch tasting. I don't know how that would fill on the stomach, but, you know, kind of like you do yeah. like a flight of beer, flight of wine, flight of ranch. 
Fly to ranch. Yeah, why yeah. not? I mean, I, I just get the powder, which is not vegan because it's like dehydrated buttermilk, but I put it into a non-dairy, like, form. So okay, it makes it orange. less, less lactose and less, uh, more gentle on uh, thine stomach of mine. Oh, you know? no. Oh, see, it's all dairy all the time here. If I oh. bless you, bless you for well, that. Oklahoma. <laughs> I'm just going to blame that on Oklahoma. Well, you're in luck, Evan, because it is a two for day. And I also need to wish you happy National Turkey Neck Soup Day. Delish. Oh, my second favorite soup. <laughs> I mean, turkey neck soup. I feel like turkey neck soup, though, is also a southern I mean, I I didn't do the research. I think it's like, like true southern, like not it like Oklahoma be, fake right? southern. It has to be, but like true southern through like food pathways, like conjuring the spirit of Michael Twitty here, like food pathways, whether it was through the enslaved people or something like that, like turkey neck soup. I think is, I feel like is rich as a soup and rich in culture, yeah, and uh, deriving where it came from as well. Oh, absolutely, absolutely. I bet you it's delicious, though. I'm a, I, I'll, I'll eat a turkey neck. Oh, you know? I'll try anything once. I mean, I I'll have. I'll eat a turkey but... neck. I mean, yeah, <laughs> hello. I'll try anything twice at this point, you know. <laughs> but, um, yeah, like, I, I've eaten the gizzards, and I love a game meat. I love a game meat, you know. Oh, yeah, like yeah. A, like, like, well, a... have you ever had bear? No. Like Yogi? Like Bear Bear? Like the other bear? type of bear, you know, we're familiar. Or, or like, with, oh, like not gay bear, but like. Yeah, not gay bear, but like black bear, like climbing no. up in the trees. Yeah. So my husband's oh. dad used to hunt black bear. And so we would put ground black bear meat in like chili or like steaks or something like that. Yeah. It's different for sure. I mean, is it good? It's not my favorite, but I'll eat it. You have to, like, add pork fat with it because it's super, super lean. Um, but it's got that same, like, gamey venison taste to it, too. Okay, maybe I'd, maybe I'd be here for it. As long as it's ethically sourced or at least, I mean, not everything is. And I, I'm, I'm not wealthy, so I can't be buying organic and fr- <laughs> farm fresh all the time. I try my best, folks out there. But, um yeah, I try it. I mean, uh, Food News Update last week was all about Wyoming creating an app for people to go pick up roadkill, like pronghorn and porcupines or whatever. I mean, you got to do what you got to do. If you're not going to shoot it, you might as well pick it up off the side of the road. Yeah, I mean, as long as it's good, right? I, I'm here for it. <laughs> I'm here for it. And you know what, In Your Mouth listeners, no matter what you celebrate, whether it's National Hot Chicken Day, National Turkey Neck Soup Day, or or... Bear Week in Provincetown Day. I, <laughs> I, 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 I don't even know. We celebrate you no matter what. And moving right along into this day in gay history, Evan, today, again, we celebrate all of our LGBTQ brothers, sisters, they, thems, and everybody else fighting the good fight for to keep their home. We hope you are safe. We hope you are well. We hope you are doing what you need to do to keep yourself safe. We stand with you here on In Your Mouth, and um, we, we are sending you love and good vibes. Um, and also, did you know, in 1958, the first performance of the Alvin Ailey American Dance Theater in New York occurred on this day. Alvin Ailey was a gay man who died from complications of AIDS in 1989 at age of 58. 
He was an African-American choreographer and activist who founded the Alvin Ailey American Dance Theater in New York City. He is credited with popularizing modern dance and revolutionizing African-American participation in 20th century concert dance. His company gained the nickname Cultural, Cultural Ambassador to the World because of its extensive international touring. Oh, teaching the children today. I did not know. Well, we teach the children every week. You know, I say it's important, and I started this a long time ago. Because even though we've been here, like I say all the time, we have been here. Our history hasn't been written, and somebody needs to be keeping it alive. And this is one way that I feel like I'm doing my part in keeping it alive. And, like, there's a lot of fun facts. Some of them are great. Some of them are terrible. Some of them are indifferent. And some of them are just weird and interesting. And so um, I think it's just a great and nice way to honor our ancestors and honor those, because sometimes, like today, and celebrating our brothers and sisters in the Ukraine, you know, is, like, keeping us connected to our community. Absolutely. Makes us stronger. Uh, you know what? What didn't kill us made us stronger, right? Like, Amen. Isn't that a Kelly? Isn't that a Kelly Clarkson? Our Lord and Savior <laughs> Kelly Clarkson. <laughs> <laughs> well, I want to get to the getting on because if you didn't know, you're about to know in your mouth, listeners. From an elephant keeper, yes, I said elephant keeper, to a self-taught baker, and now a Food Network Canada competitor on Great Chocolate Showdown Season 3, Evan has really tried his hand at becoming a jack-of-all-trades, especially in the kitchen, yes. Coming from an extremely small town in Oklahoma with zero LGBTQ representation, finding joy in baking has helped him truly figure out more of hi- about himself than he could have ever imagined and wants to help inspire people by showing them that truly anyone can bake with a little all-purpose flour and determination. I feel like we have a lot to unpack here. And you know what? I kind of want to start with your love of baking. I think that's a really good place to start and I mean it's always where I start but there's there's more that the that the reader or, or the listener doesn't doesn't know that I'm going to try to travel us through. So where where does your love of baking come from? So like growing up I didn't bake. Like we made box brownies, we'd occasionally make like toll house cookies or something. Um but I really didn't get into baking until I was probably like 23, 24 years old. Um, I actually like hurt my back uh, while working elephants and um, I was <laughs> laid up on the couch for like a month and a half. Wait a minute. Wait a minute. I'm not laughing at your pain. Yeah. <laughs> it's just the way you said it. I hurt my back working elephants. <laughs> so a girl. Woo! It's heavy labor. <laughs> We're going to get into the elephants, but go ahead. (laughs) But yeah, so I hurt my back, and uh, it was about the time that Netflix threw out that very first season of Great British Bake Off um, and made it streamable for everyone in the States. And uh, watched that, cried my way through it, because I loved everyone on that show. And uh, my husband actually bought me a cookbook for it, because I was like, I didn't have any hobbies at the time. You know, I'd been, like, working out a lot. That was obviously not going great for me, since I'd hurt myself. Um, you know, when you are a young adult and you get out of college and I were, you know, I was a campus climber. I was in all these clubs. I was constantly involved in stuff. 
And then I found out that, like, as an adult, like, you have a a 40-hour-a-week job, and then you have to find your own hobbies. And so I was just like, I guess, like, baking could be it. We'll give it a shot. And uh, I was wretched. Like, everything was bad. I did not know the difference between all the flowers. I thought all-purpose flour was self-rising, so I had some real dense cakes for a hot second. Um, And just, like, baking my way, like, Julie and Julia style through that cookbook uh, really got me inspired to be better at it. You know, I wasn't pleased with what I was making, so I wanted it to be more. And as I got more immersed into it and quite honestly obsessed... Um, I just found this passion in baking and how much people enjoyed what I'd bring out of my kitchen. And so it wasn't even just me being able to enjoy that time I spent in there. It was like giving something to people. Um, that was kind of like a love language for me. Yeah, 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 yeah. But how does one go from, first and foremost, how does one decide, I am just going to train elephants, <laughs> right? Like, yeah, good, and like, Fab, girl. Yes, get your life. But And then decide, okay, now I'm training elephants, but I'm going to take up serious baking at the same time. <laughs> explain, explain that to me, because the two couldn't be further apart, you know? <laughs> You're so true. And, like, I love to just keep people guessing, doing all types of just opposite end of the spectrum things. But for me, like, elephants, like, I went to the circus when I was five with my family, and... You know, you could pay to, you know, ride the camels or ride the elephants. I'll never forget that moment of riding an elephant. My sister, who's older than me, was absolutely terrified. And when I got done with that elephant ride, I looked at my mom and I was like, I'm going to train elephants one day. And she was like, oh, that's so cute. And I'm a person that, like, if I set my sights on something, I'm not going to let them go. Like, I will chase that until I die. And so I pushed every avenue that I could. That's what I learned in school. It's what I went to college for. Did a short internship with Ringling Brothers and Barnum & Bailey Circus. Um, and just really immersed myself in, like, the culture of animal keeping. How does one go to school for elephant training? That's that's what I want to know. Is there just some college somewhere, like, hiding elephants? And, like, you can just go train them and your degree, you get, like, a bachelor's in elephant? <laughs> <laughs> Well, I actually, I have a bachelor's degree in zoology. Um, so you just kind of pick up a, a regular science trade when it comes to zookeeping. So biology, environmental sciences, um, did a lot of animal behavior and uh, kind of a background of environmental science too. Uh, and then it's all kind of about the internships that you get involved in. So I was down at the Oklahoma City Zoo for a while in college, um, went with Ringling Brothers and Barnum and & Bailey for a three-month stint. Um, so it's kind of like on-the-job training once you get that science degree that, like, gets you immersed in the world of animal training. Wow. Wow. How fun. How absolutely fun. And I'm sure we're not going to go down this road, right, because you obviously love animals, but I'm sure there's some sort of PETA person out there that's angry at you about something. (laughs) Oh, 100%. But it it allows for good conversation. There's so many people that uh, just completely misconstrue the world. Um, and I see their side as well in it, you know, too. But, you know, there's so many angles to look at that that it allows to have really good, healthy conversation if everyone's open and willing about it. Absolutely. And that's anything, you know, that's absolutely anything. 
um, super controversial. And it's definitely a testament, just like doing a little bit of research into you and like deep diving into your Instagram and whatnot. Your love of animals is very real and very apparent and very on the forefront of of everything that you do. And then transitioning into baking and the not-so-easy chocolate work of it all. Like, how does that even... Did that just be come because you were laid up in bed and you had this had this cookbook or this baking Great British Bake Off book? And, you know, you were like, well, I need to do something with my time now as I heal. Yeah, I mean, that's where a lot of it came from. And then, like I said, like, I'm just, I'm such a determined person that, like, I'm never okay with, like, just being okay or, you know, mediocre at something. So, like, I'm going to push myself until I'm at a level that, like, I feel proud of. Yeah, yeah, and that's a that's a great way to to look at it, and and so wait, now explain to me. You just I'm all over the place today, but <laughs> you just said you're in Oklahoma, but you you're competing in Food Network Canada. How how is that a thing? One, I didn't even know Canada had their own Food Network. <laughs> I did, but I forget. <laughs> I mean, we have so much media here in the states, like. I'm not pulling over a lot of stuff from Canada to watch that because I can barely consume the content that we have here. <laughs> yeah, uh, absolutely. So how did that happen? How did how did like Canada like pick you up from the from the elephant pen? You know? Well, what's like <laughs> it, it was wild. Uh, we were on vacation. My husband and I were on vacation last summer, and we were traveling across the islands of Greece. We were coming back to Athens to fly back home. Didn't have cell phone reception for half a day. And I opened up my Instagram and I had a DM from someone I'd never known before. And I was just like, okay, well, I'll check it and see. And they had kind of just scoured through my social media, saw how much I was baking and uh, encouraged me to apply for the show. So I was kind of like, you know, like, I'll do it. But like, there's absolutely no way. Like, I've never heard of it. You know, they seem really nice, but like, they're not going to pick a little boy from Tulsa. There's no way. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. So did you win? I can't tell. <laughs> <laughs> you almost got me. <laughs> <laughs> I love that. Uh <laughs> <laughs> I was trying. I was trying. That and was I probably would have. My friends have even slipped. tried that one on me, and I'd probably accidentally do that to them. But no, you got me good there. <laughs> yeah, if you sli- if you slipped, I would have cut it out so that way you wouldn't like get in trouble because I'm sure you've <laughs> signed a million NDAs. But um, that's very very funny. You know what I love about the show is that there's so much representation on the show, and let me tell you, the cast is good looking. The Aren't cast we? that shot. <laughs> That shine, you listen. I got a very a very attractive person sitting in front of me. That shine is gorgeous. There's a what's his name, Chris, beautiful Asian man. Oh, gorgeous, uh, Ian, Ian Frias. Ian, yes. Um, there's that like motorcycle dude who Gavin. I was surprised to found find out he's a homosexual. There's a model. There's a ballet dancer. I was like, this is the gayest show on earth. I know. Well, it was so funny. I was like telling my best friend Heidi before I left because like a few people knew that I was going to film and she works with me, so I had to tell her. 
And I was like, I wonder if there'll be any other gay guys on the show. And she was like, you think you'll be the only gay man on a baking show? And I was like, okay, you got me. Like, there will probably be more than one of us. But I didn't expect four out of the five of the males to all be part of the LGBTQ community. Yeah, I found that really interesting, too. Especially in in a competition that is so crazy technical, which we're going to get into. But I want to stay on this road of representation and, and just how beautiful it is. Um, just because... I I was like, wait, wait, who is that? And then again, somebody else would pop up and I was like, wait, who is that? <laughs> <laughs> Y'all, you know what? It took me a minute to, uh, you know, Evan had to send me a link. But if you can find it here in the States, Food Network Canada's uh, Great Chocolate Showdown, uh, find it just for the eye candy of it all because it's a good looking cast, men, women, and everyone else in between. Very, very good-looking cast. Shime, call me. Um, (laughs) (laughs) Listen, before we cut out to the break, um, on this road of representation and representation matters, you know, uh, one of the big things we love to talk about here because we as LGBTQ people don't have, especially LGBTQ people in food, don't often have a platform to share our stories. And that's one of my favorite things about what I do here on this podcast. And I wonder if you would uh, talk to me about coming out and what your coming out story is like. Because you are, what I love about you is that you are very out and proud, especially on the show, wearing your pride, you know, pride everywhere. I love it. Yeah. um, You know, it was really hard for me growing up. Um, I lived in a town of like 400 people in the middle of nowhere, Oklahoma. Um, I'm one of 26 grandkids. Um, so like we populated the town and of the grandkids, I'm the only gay one. So I was in the closet for a very, very long time. Um, I was involved in, uh, an organization called FFA or Future Farmers of America. Some people might know. Um, and it was great, but there's still a lot of like masking of a lot of minority groups. I feel like in that, and you couldn't, you know, they wanted you to be yourself, but then at the same time, like if it wasn't this cookie cutter mold of what they thought you should be, you should not move outside of it. And so I didn't fully come out until I was like 23 years old. Um, it was a little traumatic. Um, I chose to do it on my 23rd birthday. Cause I was like, I'm not going to ruin a holiday that, you know, is going to be the black mark for everyone's, you know, days for the rest of their lives. Um, and you know, my family wasn't super accepting at first. Um, we didn't communicate a lot. Um, that's part of the reason, like I went into the internship with Ringling so I could kind of get out of Oklahoma, um, go to a different part of the country and kind of see what was up. Um, but then I obviously came right back. (laughs) Um, but through really just kind of embracing me and finding a really close knit of, you know, chosen family, like a lot of us have to do, um, it allowed me to really push myself to be more authentic and so much more myself. And the more that I have become that person, the more accepting and open my family has become. Um, It's that first scary step. So like, yeah, it was tumultuous and it was rocky and lots of tears and lots of frustration. Um, But through baking, quite a bit of therapy um, and also just like a really good group of friends and family, like, it's just elevated me to a point where like I can be out and proud 
and it allows me to be out and proud for everyone else too, regardless of what their sexual orientation is or their background. Yeah, it's and you know we don't qualify stories here on the podcast because everyone's journeys are unique to them, and not to say that anyone should go through trauma, but you know the you are here now, you are a beautiful being now, you are out and proud on this show, and you shine in the episodes in that manner, right? Talent talent first, right? But you are shining. And it's important to see people like you on, on television. It's important to see people like me on... It's important to see, you know, uh, people like Shime on television, right? Beautiful. Brown, right? He has... Um, he's deaf. And, and so that's important too. Like, it's, it, it's important to see this rainbow of people on television. And, you know, you never stop growing. I was on a podcast... Recently, somebody else's, which I, um, it's called the Culture Culture Countdown, um, I think. And I, I just do so many. I don't do many at all. So. <laughs> popular. <laughs> I'm just uh, popular. No. Um, and he was talking to me about coming out because he said, he goes, I notice you ask everybody about their coming out, but I haven't heard your coming out. And I was like, it's interesting. I go, I can't, I can't remember if I told my coming out. I probably have. And I go, but you know what's interesting is that I find at 41 that there's, for lack of a better word, levels. Um, you know, you come out and it's a hurdle and that weight is off your shoulder. And then like the next level is figuring out what that means for you, right? And, like, being comfortable in that skin. And then all of a sudden, like, life happens and things change and you grow and you're ever learning and you're and you're ever changing and, like, you know, and, and just ever evolving into this, like, beautiful LGBTQ being. Like, the person that I was at 21 when I came out to my mother, who was the last person I came out to, to the person I am now at 41 is a very different person. Yeah. You know, queer and otherwise, you know, and and so I think that's important to hear. And I want to thank you for sharing your story. And and I always say we never know who's listening and we never know who can benefit from our stories and and hearing them and and our journeys, you know, because Chosen family is important, and I'm lucky to have both, right? Uh-huh. Uh, my my mother and my brother who loves me, but a fantastic chosen family as well. And that chosen family has changed throughout the years. People have come and gone and, and so on and so forth, but still, it's quality people who support me and love me, and, and it seems like you have that too. Oh, 100%. And, you know, not only do they, like, support, but, like, they also will, like, ask you the hard questions. They'll give you the hard truths. Like, you have to have that a little bit, too. And, you know, you mentioned earlier, you know, it's not that I don't feel like everyone needs to go through the trauma sometimes that comes with coming out. But, you know, we laugh about all of us that were on the show together. Like, we are so close because of trauma bonding of what we went through that like I feel bonded to a lot of my chosen family because some of the traumas that either I've gone through, they've gone through or we've experienced together. And so, you know, it's not trying to be that like put a positive spin on some really awful stuff that happened in your life, but it's like how we, how we figure our way through that and how we become stronger allows us to be who we are in those later times. And you're right. We don't stop growing. Like when we do like, I don't know if that's going to be fun for me anymore. Like, I want to continuously evolve and change. Amen. Amen. 
Amen. Take that in, in your mouth, listeners. We, <laughs> we are giving you Oprah and Gail today. Come on. <laughs> As she sits there drinking her green juice. Yes. <laughs> Oh my God, how fantastic. This is such a good time, and I can't wait to take you out into this break. Listen, Evan, I need to take a short break to place an ad in which I make three cents. No joke, three cents from. Um, <laughs> yes, listen, this podcast has to start paying for herself at some point, and we're four years deep. Okay, okay. So, in your mouth, listeners, I'm going to drop this ad right here, and then I'm going to be back with Evan Morgan Newfer. VR training platforms like the one developed by Fundamental VR and Orbis International are helping surgeons train over and over before operating on real patients. As you practice each skill, the muscle memory starts to develop. Learn more at meta.com slash metaverse impact. Evan, I don't think you're ready for my favorite part and the audience's favorite part of the podcast, a little something we like to call Food News Update. All right, let's do it. News, honey. You ain't ready, girl. Spill the tea. News Update. IHOP and Pepsi made a maple syrup cola, and will it pair well with pancakes? Oh, I don't know if it like that fake maple flavor. Well, I picked this because I thought you were Canadian. <laughs> <laughs> but no, you're from Oklahoma. Where the wind comes I almost couldn't from. be further from Canada. <laughs> <laughs> you know, I'll try it. I'll try anything. But uh, uh, I'm not. I've heard that about you. <laughs> <laughs> but I mean, I legit was like, oh my God, this food news update is going to be so perfect for Evan because, you know, maple syrup, Canada, uh, great chocolate Canadian showdown. Yes, like it all works. Amazing. Nope. <laughs> <laughs> I can appreciate their cuisine though. So <laughs> it'll so still. Work. I didn't. I didn't know this, but maybe you did. Um, so this is a Pepsi brand. Uh, Pepsi has been swinging uh, for the fences with some unorthodox choices. Thank you, Food & Wine Magazine, for this one. Um, Pepsi Apple Pie, Pepsi Cocoa Cola, Pepsi Peeps, which we've talked about here on the podcast, and Pepsi Cracker Jacks are some of the varieties the soda brand has tried over the past couple of years. I didn't realize a Pepsi was on this, like, crazy flavor journey. Did you? No. It's like they kind of lost their identity for a hot second. They're like, we've got to find ourselves. And Well, uh, listen, we can all agree it's all for the Instagram, you know? <laughs> it's all for the Instagram and whatnot. But apparently now, Pepsi Maple Syrup Cola is an official collaboration with IHOP. When's the last time you've been to IHOP? I can't remember because I was probably too drunk to remember. Do you have IHOP? In, is IHOP like as far out as in Oklahoma? Or it we... is, but we preferred y'all have Waffle House. I love a oh, waffle. Yeah. Those jalapeno biscuits. Chef's yes. kiss. Chef's, chef's kiss. Yes. <laughs> yes, yes. So we're obviously um, Waffle House stands. Great. Um, so this is obviously a high 
highly limited edition soda, only available, well, it was only available through their social media giveaway, which ended yesterday, March 29th. But I literally was like, this is going to be so perfect. I mean, you know what? This would, you know how people uh, do, have you done a Coca-Cola cake before? Yes, it's been a long time, but yeah. Yeah, I bet you this, if you could get your hands on this, this would be perfect for something like that. Oh, that would be. You wouldn't have to use extract. You'd already have the maple flavor in there. Two birds, one soda. Yeah. (laughs) Two birds, one soda. Yeah, that's a good use for this. Or like, you know how people like braise beef in like Coca-Cola or do like... This is a good cooking cola, I think. You know I, what? I can agree with you on that. I like that idea with it. Because I feel like as a drink by itself, it's just going to be way too sweet. Yeah. Are you a cola person? Um, Occasionally. I haven't drank, like, hard soda in a hot second, so... A hard soda and a hot second. That's like you're you're coming out, you're coming out with all the musicals. Your one man shows over here. Hard soda and a hot second. Sorry, Evan Morgan Newfer. Well, I had some in. maple Pepsi. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I'm. I I think the only time I drink cola is maybe at the movie theaters, and I rarely go to the movie theaters. But movie theater cherry coke is my favorite version of any It's color. good. Yeah. Yeah, it definitely hits different. It's an experience within itself. But um other than that, like soda isn't really a part of my life. And so I thought I wasn't going to be here for this until I was here to cook with it, which I didn't think of right away. Yeah, now I need a bottle just to make a cake with, so... Yeah, <laughs> right. I'm trying to track that down. <laughs> yes, well, listen, Pepsi Pepsi is a hard listener to the podcast. They're not. Come but... on, Pepsi, I'll give you my address. <laughs> right? <laughs> uh, I mean... <laughs> You'll find him bl- blindfolded in the back room. <laughs> I think we're here for this. I think we're here for this. <laughs> I think so. You know what? Check the box. (laughs) Chipotle's Chippy Robot makes tortilla chips imperfect on purpose. Did you know that Chipotle has a robot that makes tortilla chips, first and foremost? No, I thought that was like a legit, just like someone's job. Um, I think so, but I think robots are taking over the world. And now they're like implementing Chippy, this chip making, this imperfect chip making robot. I need to see a YouTube video of this because I'm very intrigued yes. by how this robot works now. So way back when, in the beginning, in the aughts, is that is that the right use of that word? I think of so. this podcast, in the <laughs> beginning, very, very, very beginning, where when this podcast used to be very, very different. Um, we did a food news update where uh, Flippy, the burger flipping robot, was a thing. And I was on I was on a big soapbox that this robot was going to go from flipping burgers to turn around to taking the knife and killing people. Right? <laughs> I mean, I was like, every movie I've watched it ends that way. So yeah, I didn't trust Flippy. Flippy was not my friend. Right? And Flippy, I think Flippy is still around in some major uh, fast food chains, flipping burgers. You know. Oh. So now I'm very. 
I'm not very surprised, but I'm surprised to see that this robot arm made in partnership with Miso Robotics is being tested at Chipotle's Innovation Hub. And the reason that it makes imperfect chips, because they've done um, testing out there with people who love to find imperfect chips. Like, you know, you find that weird, extra crunchy, crispy chip that's like three chips in one or Uh the extra salty chip or or the chip with the extra lime on it. Yep. You yep. know? It's got a lot of extra Doritos dust inside. Yeah. Yes. Except for Chipotle isn't using Doritos. But like, true, true. You know. <laughs> but but uh, yes, you're on track, you know? Uh, so that's what this chip, uh, this, uh, this, that's what, so that's what Chippy is designed to do, is to recreate okay. that along with, per, for I guess with, for our, however many perfect chip chips it makes, there's probably an algorithm to make imperfect chips. It's so wild that, like, someone thought of this to create the, like, imperfect chip. But, like, I'm I'm here for this because, like, to me, when you find imperfect-looking things in your food, that means it's, like, handmade. And yeah. they're making it seem like it's, like, authentic in that sense. Like, a robot's not doing it. It's like, oh, someone handmade this. And it's like, no, Chippy did, but I'll take it. <laughs> well, it, it's, still, it's still authentic because the chips um, will use the same trio of in- ingredients – Corn masa flour, water, and sunflower oil. And that, like, the normal people, right? Or the normal people. Yeah. Just (laughs) actual humans are doing, right, to make the chips. It's it's just putting it through this uh, robot, which hopefully won't, uh, you know, take cups of oil and splash people in the face with it. I I try to get upset that it's making imperfect chips and decides to turn on people. Yeah, exactly. As a, as a perfectionist myself, I would lose my mind. <laughs> I mean, <laughs> these are the things horror movies are made of. Exactly. <laughs> Look out, Scream. We got a new horror film coming for you. <laughs> yeah. I mean, oh, my God. Could, could you imagine? Chippy and Flippy, the, the, the murderous. <laughs> oh, it's a very Freddy versus Jason vibe. Um <laughs> We could have a whole franchise. You heard it here first in your mouth, listeners. If you want to, if y'all got money out there and you want to produce this for Evan and I, Evan and I will put our minds together and like write the screenplay for you. 100%. <laughs> 10 out of 10. I'm here for it. And I, I, I think that's why we're here for Chippy all of a sudden. <laughs> Hysterical. Oh my God. And last but not least. This one I thought was very apropos, too. This cake-themed bar offers dessert-inspired cocktails and baking contests in a big white tent. What? Where's yes. this? Tell me more. I'm very, very intrigued by this. Listen to this, right? This is very on-trend for you here. Great British baking show fans can just pop into the bar or book a station and whip up a cake in a 90-minute bake-off session. So this is in England, and this is a cocktail bar called the Pantry Bar. And it's one of the boozy new additions to the latest outpost of the Big Bake Collection. Um, And so you can go to this bar, and you enter through a refrigerator door, right? So cute. And you, like, there's... Baking-themed cocktails, like key lime pie cocktails, everything that sounds too too sweet for me and like a hangover. But you for $60, you can book your place at one of the tables 
and you're given a recipe and there's a master baker there that goes around and like kind of helps you out and at the end it's judged take my money all of it <laughs> like I'm I would going. compete in this <laughs> I would compete in this too you know uh, what a fun date you know what this is the perfect place for a date uh, you're 100% right oh I love this and you get cocktails with it I mean, I think you have to pay for the cocktails I too. Mean, I'm fine like, with it's that. not like sixty dollars all in. <laughs> yeah. I'm sure. I'm sure. You I'm sure the, the cocktails. <laughs> no. All right. <laughs> the only thing bottomless here are you and me. Okay. No. <laughs> <laughs> oh. <laughs> um. No. I, I'm sure the cocktails are like twenty bucks or twenty pounds a pop or whatever they are. But um. Yeah, I think this is a great idea, especially if you want to stress your date out, too, if it's a first date. Babe, I thought a, a great date would be us competing in a baking competition. <laughs> <laughs> My husband would hate that idea because he's like, you turn into a monster. And I was like, I know, I want it to be perfect. <laughs> well, I, you would. it would have to be one of these, like, if it's going to be a first date or a blind date or something like that, it would have to be... You guys are so compatible because you're your obsession with Great British Bake Off or like competition shows. That's the only way this would work for exactly. you. Exactly. And not caring about your end results. Like yeah. mm. <laughs> being okay yeah. with the participation ribbon. <laughs> Could you imagine go, going <laughs> going on and being like, fuck! Oh! <laughs> like, why isn't it releasing from the pan? <laughs> yeah, just getting really aggressive. I mean, well, that's one way. If you don't, if you don't like me at my worst baking state, you won't like me at all. That is a very valid argument. I love that. You know, that's but like going on a date. Pressure cooker very early on in the relationship. <laughs> yeah, right. Or like for those of you that drink out there, if they don't like you drunk, they're not. They don't like you at all. Yep. You know, <laughs> either that or you got a drinking problem. <laughs> and you don't have your good friends to rely on when you get too drunk. Like, it's just you in that tent. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. I love this. Um, you got to look this up. The The pics are so cute. And it's located in East London. And there's two other locations in South London and Birmingham. Um, Ooh, well, hopefully we're going to be there this December. So maybe they'll still be up. Yeah, absolutely. And there's like pick and mix punch, the Bakewell teeny, the lemon meringue pie cocktail. I I would probably have half of one and then just be like, can I have some tequila in a glass? Because <laughs> I can't do all sweet. this. Sugar. <laughs> <Yes>. You know. <laughs> I think we're here for this. I I I love this. I love this, and I think this was a great way to end. Food news update. Yes. Actually, I'm not ending it. If you were, what, what's your favorite dessert that you would turn into a cocktail? That was a good. Oh, my good favorite dessert that I would turn into a cocktail. Um, I'd want to do something like chocolate and raspberry. That's like my go-to cake. Like a chocolate cake with a raspberry jam. Um, so I want it to be like sweet with a little bit of tartness and bite on it. Yes, yes, yes. I love I love a good chocolate dessert. Like a good chocolate dessert that's not overly sweet, that has that like bitter cocoa yeah, uh, yeah. aspect to it. Like you find in like flourless chocolate cake. Or with or like, I put a little bit of like uh, hot coffee in it. So it adds a little bit of that acidity, mm -hmm. takes away from like, say like, it's not overly rich with the chocolate in there. Yeah. Yeah, 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 yeah. Now my soap is wet. <laughs> 
<laughs> so sorry. <laughs> you know, the best chocolate martini I've ever had was in Hershey, Pennsylvania, at the Hershey Hotel. And the chocolate martini was clear. What? It was a clear martini, no milk, because I would have died. And it was the most chocolatey, rich, delicious thing I've ever had. How did they get the chocolate flavor into the clear liquid? I don't know what they did. I Maybe it was like clear, like uh, creme de cacao without the creme. Okay, okay. You know, how, you know how creme de menthe, you can get like creamy creme de menthe, but you could also get that like green, yes, clear yes, version yes, yes, yes. of creme de menthe. Right? Because yeah. I think there's a creamy creme de menthe out there. Right? There is, yeah. I'm a, yeah. So I think maybe there's like a clear creme de cacao that's just like like vanilla extract, like cacao extract or something. That makes sense. I'm going to have to research this. Because right? like I love a good weird take on like, oh, your eyes are deceiving you on what you're about to like digest. Yeah. Yeah. Now I'm, now I'm, yes, this exists. Look. <laughs> I have it. Balls makes one. Gifford makes one. Drillard makes one. Yep. There is a clear creme de cacao out there, folks. Look at you that. You know, Google, uh, my my producer, Google, <laughs> she's really great. I'm <laughs> actually all researching. The today. <laughs> <laughs> oh my God. Before we close out, because I feel like you and I could be here for hours, um, talk to me about. Uh, talk to me. It, it stresses me out just thinking about it. The chocolate work and how, because fine, baking is hard enough. Baking is uh, a skill in its own. I am a self-taught baker myself. At one point in my life, I was baking custom cakes and self-teaching myself as I went. And it was a disaster and a, a blessing at the same time. It was crazy. I cried every time. But then to add chocolate work on top of it, because that's an entire different beast. I so much so I had to split the word entirely into two words. Entirely different beast. <laughs> because it's about tempering. It's about getting the temperature right. It's about molding. It's about the temperature of the room. It's about like cold and then heating. It's a oh no, girl. It's a lot. Um, and especially like when they reached out to me, they're like, you don't have to have a background in chocolate work. And I was like, great, because I don't. Um, you know, we were taught how to temper chocolate there on set. And um, it's, like you say, like the the time, the temperature, everything that goes along with it, the movement with it. Um, if you're not careful, you will ruin an entire batch of it like that. Um, and so it's that so made things so much more temperamental. Stressful. Yeah. It's mm -hmm. just so temperamental. You get a right? little bit of water in it. It's ruined. Forget it. Yeah. That's where I was going. The, the tiniest drop of water. You can get the tiniest molecule of water in it. The and whole freaking thing is ruined. Oh, The and it's whole awful. thing is ruined. And then, like, add an hour and a half time limit on top of that. And you're like, don't get water drips in your chocolate, but also make sure your cake's done. Like, it's <laughs> almost impossible. <laughs> like Whitney sent to Brandy. Impossible. Yeah. <laughs> 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 Those are the facts, so, kids. <laughs> yes, facts are facts, America. I mean, was that an added stressor? How did you did you prep for it? Give me all the details because I I the kids want to know. Yeah, so I when I found out I was going to be on the show, like I was ready to start prepping to be on. But uh, the day I found out, I actually was in the hospital. I'd had an emergency appendectomy. 
Um, so they call me. I've got like hospital wires hooked up to me, and they're like, "You're gonna be on Great Chocolate Showdown," and I'm like, "High as a kite." And crying, and I'm like, oh, I'm so excited. I also can't lift more than 10 pounds for the next two and a half weeks. Um, and it was like 115 degrees in Oklahoma at the time. So trying to, like, temper chocolate in my kitchen while healing from a surgery, like, there was not a lot of good prep work for me here. Um, so it wasn't until, like, we got to set and got to, like, learn from some of our culinary experts before we started shooting how to actually properly temper chocolate. Um, but it took a lot of trial and error. Um, and there's still so many mistakes in every single episode, not just from me, but from, like, my castmates, too, where we think we have it right and we've just got it one degree too hot. Yep. Oh, it's so in-your-mouth listeners. If you've never tempered chocolate before, even making chocolate ganache, right? Because mm-hmm. it, it's all about it's all about the way it looks. It's yeah. looks and temperature, and that the tiniest degree can offset the whole thing. I remember when, so my first cake ever that I made, my first custom cake. I was drunk at a bar in New York City. The straight owners, um, one of them came up to me. He goes, "You cook? Could you make my wife a, a, a Chanel purse cake for her birthday?" I was like, "Yeah, sure, great, right? Wasted, right? Nope, <laughs> never did it." And so, not only did I decide to do it, but I also decided to do it to cover the cake, not in fondant, but in chocolate work. So, like now, I had to learn not only how to make a custom purse cake, but I also had to learn how to mold chocolate. <laughs> Right <laughs> into that like quilted mold, and then wrap it and tape it, oh, and the whole thing. And I remember, delicious. <laughs> I, honey, she she never takes the easy road. Always, yeah. always in the deep end of the pool without a paddle. Here, right <laughs> for no good reason. But um, I remember I was working in a very uh, fancy restaurant here in New York, and one of the pastry chefs she said, "You put it over a do- double boiler." And um, you keep testing it. You keep dip your dip your pinky in, and then put it on your lips. And the minute you burn your lips is the minute is the minute it's right. <laughs> and I was like, "Wait, what? You want me to burn my lips?" She's like, "Not like third degree and burn your lips, but she goes, you're gonna burn. It's gonna like it's gonna be like ow. It's gonna be like woo. Yeah, yeah. It's that feeling. And and it's so funny because I'm such a kinesthetic learner. I learn by feeling and doing. Mm-hmm. So. So that was a really great way uh, that she taught me without even knowing that that's, like, the way I learn. Um, and uh, so that's the way I learned how to temper chocolate. <laughs> Isn't that's that so wild. weird? That is not it's how wild. we were taught. But I love no, it. No, no, you were taught the right <laughs> way. And then she goes, she goes, another way to test it is you throw it down on the board and it'll crystallize right in front of you. And yeah. then mm-hmm. you know it's right. And so it's such a crazy journey. It's such a crazy journey. And you're doing so well in the episodes. Thank uh, you. You know, so well. What was the most challenging part? Did you win? can't tell you (laughs) 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 you see i tried to sneak it so that's the most challenging part honestly is telling people if i did or did not win (laughs) no uh what was uh throughout throughout what we've seen so far what what's been like what was the most challenging part throughout the your time there um the most challenging part honestly is 
being in that pressure cooker and being away from the people that you love, um, we still, you know, it's not Survivor, it's not Big Brother, like, we still got to communicate with our loved ones, um, but, you know, fun fact, it's 14-hour days in the studio, so you're not getting to talk to people, um, you're only there with your nine fellow bakers, or as each week goes on, you you lose somebody, and so the hardest part is is kind of being in that pressure cooker with other people that are just as good, if not better than you and trying to just focus on yourself and not worry about anything on the outside, focus on your bakes, not worry about what anyone else is doing and how well they're doing because that could throw you in a heartbeat. And you start to see that happen to me uh, around episode three as I start to pay attention to what other people are doing and it derails me pretty hard. And, um, you know, the next Uh-oh. episode coming are up you, is... Are you giving us uh, some foreshadowing? <laughs> <laughs> Maybe. But, you know, no. it's you have to really start to rely on your fellow bakers um, to kind of get you through it. And so, yeah, the time constraints are hard and the challenges that they're throwing at you are crazy difficult. Um, but it's honestly trying to, like, keep your mind in the game the entire time is is the hardest part of it. Yeah, 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 yeah. Folks, the days are long and there's a lot of stop and start and I'm sure there's a lot of, um, not that you're sequestered from your family, but when you do stop, you're like sequestered from the set so you don't see things and hear things and they they run you through the gamut and then in the confessionals, that's another whole day and yeah. they're and they're talking to you, and you just won't st- stop talking. And oh, and it's, you're reliving your traumas there. You know, that's like yep, they'll go in and, and be like, "Evan, why did you do this? I don't know why I did that. I'm very upset right now." Um, but you tell have me to about me. coming out, right? <laughs> exactly. And then all of a sudden, you have like, to relive that. <laughs> <laughs> and I won't tell you how I know because I can't tell you how I know. But that is that is a little teaser for for your Garel Munoz uh, in your mouth, listeners. If you catch my drift, oh my God, what is next for you before we close out, Evan? Who knows? Um, you know, I'm going to keep up uh, with my Instagram, um, really trying to push out as much content as I can there. Um, I really have uh, an affinity towards pastry, so I'm going to try to do a lot of, like, pastry teaching classes um, on social media coming out. Um, and then, you know, my time on Great Chocolate Showdown, you know, we got to be around the judges a lot. I really got to love and respect Anna Olson and Steve and Cynthia as well, too. Um, but one thing Anna told me before I left was just like, you know, I expect to see a cookbook out of you. And um, so I'm hoping that throughout this year, like I can complete my recipe testing and um, hopefully get a cookbook out in the works because, you know, I want to be able to show people that you can teach yourself to bake and show them all the fun flavors that they can play with, too. And that's one of the best ways I know I can do it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, we're we're excited for this journey for you, no matter what comes. And we definitely need more elephant content because I want to see... I want to see the elephants. Of course, okay. of course. <laughs> <laughs> Give the kids all the handles, where they can find you, where they can see you. Obviously, uh, In Your Mouth listeners, look up uh, Food Network Canada's Great Chocolate Showdown to see Evan. Find it like I did, no matter how. I'm not telling you to illegally download, right? Because that's not okay, but just find it, you know? 
But give the kids the handles, Evan. Give the kids the handles. Yeah, for sure. So uh, you can find me on Instagram. It's enoop, E-N-E-W-P. There you can follow just my regular life and a lot of my baking as well, too. Uh, Great Chocolate Showdown airs on Food Network Canada um, Tuesdays at 9 o'clock Eastern. Um, Find it any way that you can because it's really great. Um, And if you want to catch up on old seasons, because we are season three, um, season one is currently available on the CW app. Uh, So if you want to catch up on... Our, uh, our ancestors of Great Chocolate Showdown, uh, they just completed showing their season on American television. Amazing. Amazing. So if you, if you have some patience and you're a binger, then you can just, you know, mark it in the CW app. And then when they drop season three, you can just binge the whole thing. Bingo. Hopes and dreams, baby. <laughs> Honey, ho- uh, keep it alive. Keep it alive. <laughs> and let me tell you, Evan is the cutest as well as the rest of the cast. So I am... It, it's it's worth the watch. Definitely worth the watch. Evan, thank you so much for giving me of your time today. This has been so special. And I know that this isn't the last of us, nor the last of, you know, of what we've seen from you because we are expecting great things because you're doing great things. Oh, thank you so much, Michael. It's been a treat and a dream. Absolutely loved it. Yes. Indian mouth listeners get into Evan and all the chocolate magic. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> oh my goodness. You know what I've been watching and Evan is still here with me as I close out. Uh, I just started rewatching this last season of worst cooks in America. And this was a big miss from me. How did I not have drag queen Marty Cummings and her daughter um, peaches on this podcast while they were on Worst Cooks in America season 23, I'm, I just reached out to them being like, I'm a jerk. You should have been on, but you need to come and relive this with me. Folks, I'm here for the season 14 Rue Girls, but if you want to see some good drag nonsense that is not RuPaul, go turn on Food Network, go on the Food Network app, America, and turn on season 23 of Worst Cooks in America to see these queens and all the tomfoolery. Oh, I'm here for that. I'm here for that. (laughs) They get all the airtime. They are acting a fool for the cameras. And it is... I was laughing so hard in bed at night last night. I can't even remember what Marty did. But it was something... I was dying that I had to rewind it because it was so freaking funny so freaking funny obviously go watch evan on great chocolate showdown but also if you love food content this is well worth the watch and this is also queer people shining right because how many non-binary people has worst cooks in america have had on i haven't done the research but i can't believe it's many you know so i'm gonna try to get them on that's my message for the day Go out, enjoy the spring weather, um, do something good for people, you know, pay it forward. Acts of kindness um, are free out there in your mouth, listeners. And all I got to say is thank you for listening to In Yo Mouth.